church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and I'm delighted to have you listening to this podcast today. If you're like me, you must feel like you're being inundated with all kinds of news articles on television, on the computer, on our smartphones about a a cultural movement known as transgenderism. And I would like to spend a little while this morning talking about transgenderism. You know, when I opened up my computer this morning, uh, I immediately saw an article out of Montana where a Montana judge uh, just on Thursday blocked the enforcement of a law that requires transgender people to have undergone a surgical procedure before being allowed to change their sex on their birth certificate. And uh, I thought it was a very interesting article, but it it's an article on top of many, many others that are coming my way about this, this, uh, phenomena known as transgenderism. And then on top of that, just a few clicks down, uh, was another article on the computer about a group of people who are referring to themselves as detransitioners. I mean, detransitioners referring to transgenderism. People who have had surgical procedures, women who've had double mastectomies and and genital surgery and hormone therapy, all now coming out talking about what a horrible choice they made and the pressures they felt from family and school counselors and nurses and even doctors and others to go through these procedures. And now uh, they're out organized, telling people what a horrible mistake they've made. You know, we're reading about um, boards of education putting in curriculums to teach that sexual identity is a choice. There's been a lot of pushback about this from parents. The Florida state government passed a law to prohibit discussing sexuality in the K through three grades. And they've been roundly criticized by the federal government and some corporations like the Disney Corporation. You know, it seems like ever since the high profile personality, Bruce Jenner, went through a transgender change to become Caitlyn Jenner, uh, that over the last decade, there's just been an exponential explosion of individuals expressing interest in transgenderism. And so I thought today we ought to spend a little while talking about this subject. It seems to be swirling all around us. And for people of faith, it's, well, uh, what is this? What's going on? Uh, What is transgenderism? 
Is it just a new name for an ancient sin? Well, the Oxford Online Dictionary defines it as a state or condition in which a person's identity does not conform with their uh, uh, not does not conform unambiguously uh, to conventional ideas of male or female gender. In other words, if a biological male feels as though he is a female, or a biological female feels as though she is a male, they're experiencing some form of transgenderism. Medical professionals call this gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria. It's, this is a different thing from a condition known as uh, hermorphoditism. Hermorphoditism, also commonly known as intersect, where someone's born with both male and female sexual organs. Now, this condition is extraordinarily rare and it is not what we're seeing in this social movement today known as transgenderism. What we're seeing today is a, a, almost an explosive increase in the number of individuals that simply feel that there are the opposite sex from their biological gender. Now, as Christians, we turn to the Bible for guidance and uh, you won't find the word transgender or transgenderism in the scripture. But the scripture has much to say about this subject. You know, God's design for humanity is outlined in Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2. It created woman to complement and help man. And it really, it should be obvious to any serious Christian that transgenderism is an incompatible with what the Bible says about humanity and sexuality. But in spite of that, it seems that there are many, many believers in the Christian faith who are confused by what the world is saying about transgenderism instead of what God's word has to say. You know, uh, In a new book on transgenderism, J. Allen Branch tells us that our sexual identity as male or female is integral to being made in God's image. Our bodies matter, and they carry value, and they're designed to have dignity. In Jeremiah 1.5, God tells us that before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. In other words, our biological sex is not arbitrary. If God created this world without flaws and concluded his creation was good, that would include that the humans he created uh, as men and men, uh, men and women was good in God's eyes. To strive to become a different sexual category than what God created will never result in happiness and joy. Sexual differentiation is part of what God pronounced very good. This reality is what Jesus uh, is what led Jesus to say in Matthew 19, 4 and 6. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother to be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so that you are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You know, these are Jesus' words, and um, there are not countless sexes, as some suggest. There are only two. There's not some continuum uh, regarding uh, your sexual identification. You're either male or female. Confusing sexual identity, it seems to me, would be very displeasing to God. God does not make mistakes when he creates us as a man or woman. You know, the Bible speaks very clearly on the subject of dressing like the opposite sex. Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5 reads, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. And then over in Leviticus 18.22, it tells us that men should not act sexually like women. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15, we're warned that embracing other gender expressions of identity is a disgrace. We're reminded in 1 Corinthians 6 that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we do not, we do not have an inalienable right to do whatever we want with our physical selves. You know, it's the world that says your psychology is your sexual identity and let your body be conformed to it. But God's word says your body is your sexual identity and let your mind be conformed to it. That's a big difference. You know, the transgender movement, in my opinion, is just a new name for an ancient sin. A man cannot become a woman and a woman cannot become a man. A man's chromosomes cannot be engineered into female chromosomes. Having hormone therapy and altering one's appearance cosmetically and surgically will not change these biological markers. Branch, who I mentioned earlier, this, this author um, has some helpful commentary. He writes, an important premise that seems to underlie requests for gender reassignment surgery is a harsh distinction between the soul and the body, which is inconsistent with scripture. People requesting these surgeries are claiming that their internal identity is the real and good me imprisoned in a bad body of the wrong sex. They're saying my body is evil, but my soul is good. But the idea of a good soul trapped in an evil body has long been rejected by Christians and is inconsistent with Scripture. Our sexual identity as male or female is integral to being made in God's image. If we can learn anything from these gender reassignment surgeries, perhaps we should learn the degree to which our Sexual identity is profoundly related to our bodies. And uh, 
the numerous physical alterations a person must endure to transition points to the amazing complexity of our sex as an intricate part of our body. In this light, it seems much wiser to find a way to embrace and care for the body that God has given us instead of subjecting it to multiple surgeries. These surgeries involve a series of traumatic events to the body, especially the genitals and the urinary tract. In these gender reassignment surgeries, males do not become females, and females do not become males. They simply become mutilated females and males. So, you know, those who head down the path of mutilating and damaging their bodies are in direct defiance of the teachings of Jesus and the purposes that God outlined in the early chapters of Genesis and other verses that I've already mentioned. So we come to the point where we say, well, what's the medical truth about this gender dysphoria or transgenderism? Well, the American College of Pediatricians states the obvious. Human sexuality is not, uh, you know, some kind of uh, something other than a biological binary trait, the XY chromosome and XX chromosome. These are the hard genetic markers, male and female, respectively. You know, they're not genetic markers of a disorder. They're markers of male and female. The norm for human design is to be conceived either male or female. According to this uh, group of pediatricians, they say human sexuality is binary, meaning a choice between two by design, with the obvious purpose being the reproduction and flourishing of our species. This principle is self-evident, according to these doctors, just what the Bible explains. This medical association goes on to say that no one is born with an awareness of themselves as male and female. This awareness develops over time, and like all developmental processes, it can be derailed by a child's subjective perceptions and relationships and adverse experiences uh, from the time of infancy forward. People who identify as feeling like the opposite sex or somewhere in between do not comprise a third sex. They remain biological men and biological women. Now, in spite of this medical perspective, smart people seem to be falling for the transgenderism movement lies and increasingly advocate for public school textbooks to endorse transgenderism. You have to ask, how is it that parents who oppose drag queens reading to their kindergartners are labeled hate mongers? Where have we come to in this society? You know, it's difficult to even imagine a contemporary social movement that's more consistent with the downward spiral described in Romans chapter 1 than this current 
trans transgenderism movement. Let me read this passage from that chapter. God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for the unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves that due penalty for their error. God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Is this not what we're seeing in today's world? You know, Dr. Michael A. Melton writes, Transgenderism is a sad symptom of a soul in torment. The sin is especially aggressive pathology of the human soul. And the disease is spread by normalizing the forbidden and trivializing its lethality to the soul and to the community and by naively promoting its supposed gaiety. He says, behind the laughing drag queen, however, is always a tragic and dying soul in need of the love of Jesus Christ. That's a sad commentary. You know, Dr. Uh, Paul R. McHugh, uh, the former psychiatrist-in-chief for the famous John Hopkins uh, Hospital, has said that transgen transgenderism is a mental disorder that merits treatment and that sex change is biologically impossible and that people who promote sexual reassignment surgery are collaborating and promoting a mental disorder. He points out that the suicide rate among transgendered people who have had gender reassignment Surgery is 20 times, 20 times higher than the suicide rate among non-transgender people. He also cites a study of children who've expressed transgender feelings and that revealed that nearly 80% of the time, uh, these children spontaneously lose those feelings. Uh, Dr. McHugh says that policymakers in the media who promote transgenderism as normal are doing no favors either to the public or the transgendered by treating their conclusions as a right in need of defending rather than as a mental disorder that deserves understanding, treatment, and prevention. Well, Dr. McHugh explains the transgender disorder as the person's assumption that they're different from the physical reality of their body, their maleness or femaleness, as assigned by nature. He said it's a disorder similarly to a dangerously thin person suffering from anorexia who looks in the mirror and thinks they're overweight. Thus, this former chief of 
psychiatry at John Hopkins warns against enabling or encouraging young people who are susceptible to suggestion from everything is normal, sex education, and schools diversity counselors who, like cult leaders, may encourage these young people to distance themselves from families and offer advice rebutting arguments against having transgender surgery. People who undergo sex reassignment surgery do not change from men to women or women to men. Rather, they become feminized men or masculinized women. Dr. McHugh says this is not a civil rights matter. And encouraging a surgical intervention is, uh, in reality, collaborating and promoting a mental disorder. Now, where are we as Christians? You know, we're in the midst of this cultural and uh, legal attempts being made to view gender as a matter of choice. And we must resist this just based on biblical teaching. However, we must also be sensitive to the fact that there are those who are caught up in this new uh, movement that are hurting people. And they, we hope, we hope these people understand that even though Christians may not agree with them, that they're loved by Jesus and his followers. Love and compassion for transgendered individuals is not in tension with disagreeing with transgenderism as a social movement. You know, um, if you're listening to this podcast today and aren't individual who is personally dealing with transgenderism, I would urge you to do two things. First, seek professional counseling. This is, as Dr. McHugh said, a very treatable, uh, it's a very treatable mental disorder. And secondly, seek, seek, uh, pastoral care. Get involved with a Christian counselor or uh, a pastor or pastoral care worker. There's a spiritual dimension to the healing that is needed for transitionalism. You can be healed, but mutilating your body is not the answer. If you're listening to this podcast today and know someone caught up in the transitional uh, transgenderism uh, movement, let them know that they're loved by you and Jesus Christ. Period. As we reach the end of this podcast, let me acknowledge that we are in a significant cultural controversial debate on transgenderism. And it's critical that Christians 
are absolutely uh, firm in their biblical perspectives, but at the same time exhibit compassion for hurting individuals that are caught up in this movement. Period. Thank you for listening to this podcast today, and I look forward to next week when we can talk again. May God bless you.